What does a kiss over the telephone have in common with a straw hat? Neither are felt. Today's episode of History Obscura has been presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you and me to monetize our podcasts. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so we always know how much we're going to get when we include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. Tell them History Obscura sent you. Hello and welcome back to History Obscura. I am your once and forever host, Mandy Gardner. Tonight, we look up to a moon waxing rapidly into a new phase, which seems entirely fitting for our theme and news of late. The witches say new moon is a time to focus on new goals and begin new projects, which is what I believe has set the Lycoi off digging in the new garden. They've uncovered a tooth, of all things. But I don't micromanage. They can handle their spell work just fine, I'm sure. Are you nestled in snugly? Good. Once upon a time, there was a little boy living in Corfu. Born on June 10th, 1921, this particular little boy was called Philip Mountbatten, and he was a prince of Greece and Denmark. Prince Philip was the only son and youngest child of Prince Andrew of Greece and Denmark and Princess Alice of Battenberg. His mother was the great-granddaughter of Queen Victoria. King George of Greece, who was Philip's grandfather, oversaw a huge victory for Greece during the First Balkan War. Months after his troops took the city of Thessaloniki, capital of Macedonia, the king went out on an afternoon walk near the White Tower and was shot at close range in the back by Alexandros Shinas. George died instantly, the bullet having penetrated his heart. It was March 18, 1913. The assassin was said to belong to a quote-unquote socialist organization, and declared when arrested that he had killed the king because he refused to give him money. Sheenus was tortured in prison, and six weeks later fell to his death from a police station window. Constantine I, uncle to Prince Philip, inherited the crown and served until 1917, when his opposition to Greece entering the First World War was led to he and the rest of the royal family being banned from Greece by the government. In his place, Prince Alexander was set upon the throne. Constantine and the family ultimately returned to Greece in 1920 
when Alexander died from infection following a monkey bite. Upon their return, they served in the Greco-Turkish War, which Greece decidedly lost. The Greco-Turkish War spanned 1919 to 1922 and was fought between Greece and the Turkish National Movement during the partitioning of the Ottoman Empire. The Greek campaign was launched primarily because the Western Allies, in particular the British Prime Minister David Lloyd George, had promised Greece territorial gains after World War I. These would come at the expense of their rival, the Ottoman Empire. The armed conflict began when the Greek forces landed in Smyrna on 15th of May 1919. The Greek front collapsed with the Turkish counterattack on August of 1922, and the war effectively ended with the recapture of Smyrna by Turkish forces. As a result, the Greek government accepted the demands of the Turkish national movement and returned to its pre-war borders. Now, Prince Philip of Greece and Denmark was little more than a year old when his father was sent into exile by an army court-martial following Greece's calamitous defeat in the war with Turkey. Prince Alexander had refused to take his troops into battle due to his belief it was an unwinnable scenario, and the court found him guilty of acting on his own initiative. Many others were tried by the court and executed once found guilty. Prince Andrew was promised his life, but banished yet again from Greece. He and his family fled the country on a British ship, the HMS Calypso, with little Prince Philip nestled into an orange crate. The baby was destined to drift across Europe from house to house to house, struggling to find a lasting home. It was King George V of Great Britain, Prince Andrew's first cousin, who organized the escape of the Schleswig-Holstein-Sonderburg-Glücksburgs, which was the entirety of the Greek royal house name. Quite possibly moved by his previous failure to save another first cousin, one Tsar Nicholas II during the Russian Revolution five years earlier, that King George V made haste to save his cousin in Greece. One can understand his anxiety. The family did not settle in Great Britain, however, but at St. Cloud on the outskirts of Paris, France. There, they sheltered in a small house loaned to them by Andrew's wealthy sister-in-law, Princess George of Greece. He and his family were stripped of their Greek nationality and given Danish passports. Philip grew to childhood in France, comfortable and unendangered, whereas the Greek monarchy was abolished altogether in the land of his birth in 1924. In the years immediately after the family's flight from Greece, Philip's mother, the Princess Alice, had behavior which had grown disturbingly strange. She was diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic 
and is said to have believed that she was the only woman on earth and married to Christ. Though she did not want to have her daughter committed, Philip's grandmother eventually followed the advice of psychiatrists and had Alice sedated and bundled off to a Swiss clinic while her children were out of the house. Alice was separated from her husband and son. Prince Andrew did not wish to remain a part of her household, so from the date of Alice's admission to the clinic, she and Andrew were functionally separated. Prince Andrew also spent less and less time visiting the children. With Philip's older sisters, married off promptly to German aristocrats, and Philip at boarding school, Prince Andrew freed himself from many of his responsibilities as father by shutting up the family home at St. Cloud. He then circulated between Paris, Monte Carlo, and Germany, and from time to time attempted to interject in Greek politics. These attempts were ultimately fruitless. After Princess Alice's recovery, she devoted most of her remaining years to charity work in Greece. She stayed in Athens during the Second World War, sheltering Jewish refugees, for which she is recognized as Righteous Among the Nations by Israel's Holocaust Memorial Institution, Yad Vashem. After the war, she stayed in Greece and founded a Greek Orthodox nursing order of nuns known as the Christian Sisterhood of Martha and Mary. At the age of seven, Prince Philip was sent to his mother's family, the Milford Havens and Mountbattens, in England. There, he lived with his maternal grandmother, the Princess Victoria of Hesse and by Rhine, at Kensington Palace, for a time, before moving in with his uncle, Alice's elder brother George, the Marquess of Milford Haven, and his son David. For the next eight years, Uncle Georgie acted as Philip's guardian, turning up in loco parentis at school prize givings and sports days. During some school holidays, he provided a home for Philip at Linden Manor, on the Thames between Windsor and Maidenhead. Philip only saw his mother a handful of times during the first two years of her confinement. At the sanatorium, Alice was told her son would be going to a boarding school in England at Cheam. Her daughter, Cecily, carefully reassured her that, although at first she was nervous by the idea, Philip had become thrilled at the prospect. For five years, from the summer of 1932 to the spring of 1937, by which time she had largely recovered her equilibrium, Philip neither saw nor heard from his mother at all. The headmaster of Cheam was a cheerful clergyman and staunch disciplinarian who used a cane to punish daytime offenses and a sawn-off cricket bat for those caught having pillow fights after lights out. Philip's first beating as a new boy prompted him to ask the headmaster's wife, Do you like Mr. Taylor? The experienced Mrs. Taylor countered expertly, Do you, Philip? 
No, answered the boy unequivocally. I do not. Though as time passed, Philip did grow to like not only Mr. Taylor, but also everything else about Cheem, the tough regime of which he later extolled in a preface to a history of the school. Children may be indulged at home, but school is expected to be a Spartan and disciplined experience in the process of developing into self-controlled, considerate, and independent adults. The system may have its eccentricities, but there can be little doubt that these are far outweighed by its values. His later years were overshadowed by the death of his sister Cecily and her family in a plane crash on their way to London for a family wedding in 1937. It fell to Cheem's headmaster to break the news to 16-year-old Philip, who would never forget the profound shock with which he listened in the headmaster's study to what had happened. Only six months later, Philip suffered yet more sorrow when his guardian, Georgie Milford Haven, died from cancer at the age of 45. Lewis Mountbatten, known in the family as Dickie, then stepped in and took over what remained of the job of bringing up the nephew. It was Mountbatten who steered Philip away from his original intention to become a fighter pilot and towards a career in the Royal Navy. Most crucially, it was his uncle who arranged for Philip to entertain Princesses Elizabeth and Margaret on the eve of war in 1939, during a royal visit to the Royal Naval College at Dartmouth. By this time, Philip was a cadet there. It was on this occasion that Princess Elizabeth famously fell in love with a handsome young prince, and she never appears to have contemplated marrying anyone else. She was only 13 at the time, however, and it was not until several years later, while on leave from active service and staying at Windsor for Christmas in 1943, that Prince Philip, five years her senior, first showed signs of reciprocating Elizabeth's feelings. The romance began in earnest, soon after the end of the war, and it is generally assumed that he proposed to her while staying at Balmoral in the summer of 1946. King George VI was at first far from eager to give his consent to the marriage, not least since several of his closest friends were vehemently opposed to Philip. They whispered darkly about his Teutonic strain and suspected that his uncle, Louis Mountbatten, a notorious intriguer, was proposing to use him as a Trojan horse to help bring the monarchy more into line with his own, to quote, rather pink political outlook. The Princess Elizabeth and Philip were distant cousins through Queen Victoria, which in those circles was certainly not considered a reason to admonish any romantic feelings between the pair. They married on the 20th of November 1947 at Westminster Abbey in London, England. The Second World War, having just ended two years before the wedding, meant that the matter of the guest list was something of a difficulty. By that time, Prince Andrew had absconded to Monaco with a mistress and died in 1944, 
Regardless, he had not seen his son for five years prior to his death. Philip's sisters, having married German aristocrats who had joined the Nazi party, were summarily not invited to end the festivities. Furthermore, the British royals had already changed their family name in 1917 for propriety's sake. From the German Saxe-Coburg-Gotha to the purely British-sounding Windsor, the British royals had no desire to call back to their German heritage, and Nazi relatives were effectively stricken from the family record. As for Princess Alice, she returned to the United Kingdom to attend the November wedding of her son Philip. Alice even donated some of her remaining royal jewels to the design of Princess Elizabeth's engagement ring. On the day of the wedding, her son was created Duke of Edinburgh by George VI. At the reception, Princess Alice sat at the head of her family on the north side of Westminster Abbey, opposite King George VI, Queen Elizabeth, and Queen Mary. You might say that after 26 years of drifting among countries and relatives, Prince Philip was finally able to build a stable family home filled with his own wife, children, and a whole wide world watching. In these days after his passing at age 99 at Windsor Palace, let us ruminate not only on the extraordinary life of Prince Philip, consort of Queen Elizabeth of Great Britain, but also on his endlessly controversial social gaffes, meant ostensibly as off-the-cuff humor. Of a 90-year-old wheelchair-bound woman, wrapped in a foil blanket against the cold, he once asked, Are they going to put you in the oven next? To a female solicitor in 1987, he said, I thought it was against the law for a woman to solicit. Our sincerest condolences, ma'am. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, or just to get yourself a new chapter of historical fiction every single night, just go to patreon.com forward slash history obscura and join Frank and Tito's Nightly Story Club. Yes, that is Frank and Tito, the podcast mascot with scars over a million. Sign up and make sure he gets his treat money and he'll let me out of my cage every night to read you a story. <coughs> yes, yes, I've told them. If you prefer, you can do the same at buymeacoffee.com and search for History Obscura Podcast. Good night. Good night.